a lot of people were doing nose to tail, farm to table, like since the very beginning. And that culture, I think, is kind of the cool thing to do now in, in America. My dad barely spoke English. So like his, our farmer neighbor friend like would always come over and just drink beer with my dad. I don't know how they dialogue because my dad didn't speak English, but it was a it, it was cool to witness. It was cool to witness, you know, two cultures coming together that are totally opposite just through food. been quite a while since we've all got together for another episode of Thip Cow Talk. This episode, we're focusing on cultivating lasting connections within refugee diaspora communities across the U.S. Join the Sticky Rice Squad as we explore the theme of cultivating community and preserving heritage through entrepreneurship. This time, we have the privilege of speaking with Alex Hanesakta, passionate restaurant entrepreneur and the owner of Sap Sap Eats. So I have a bunch of names, right? The Lao name, the Lao nickname, and my Lao American name. Uh, Lao American name is Alex Hanasakta. Lao name is Anoy. Lao nickname is Hamnoy. <laughs> but I, I live in Racine, Wisconsin here. Uh, it's right by the lake in between Milwaukee and Kenosha. Uh, I lived in Racine probably about six years. I was living in Madison before that. Um, we moved down here when my son was born. Yeah, we grew up in Wisconsin. The church that sponsored us resided in Burlington, Wisconsin. We were one of the very, you know, there was like three Lao families in the predominantly like white community. Population was like 8,000, kind of grew since then. But, you know, we were the Lao family that grew up in the projects, basically. You know, we got put in government housing. All our neighbors were, you know, um, just low-income families. It, it was interesting growing up because there was really no, we had no Lao neighbors. So like when things were just so differently culturally, um, from my dad bringing a deer home and butchering it in the kitchen with newspaper. Uh, you know what I mean? Like just just stuff that is kind of a lost art in American culture, I guess. You know, like we 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 eat fresh, we we hunt our own game, we have we have a butcher room in our own kitchen. <laughs> so yeah, it was like a culture shock to me in itself. Me being raised in America, uh, seeing the cultural differences, you know, we stuck out. And as a kid, I always wondered why. It's hard to process all these things as a kid growing up. But my dad would always say, you know, we're different, we're loud. You know, white white friends from the neighborhood, they, they would come over and be like, what's that smell? Like, this is weird. So it was kind of embarrassing growing up, you know, but I did have a connection with the Lao community in Milwaukee, which is a bigger city. And I was kind of like bouncing back and forth between two cultures. So it was a very interesting, culturally shocking uh, childhood. With a purpose in mind to nurture the community's hunger for diversity and honor the rich history of food and culture that resides within those very streets. Born in a Thai refugee camp, Alex's family hails from Laos and their journey to the United States after the Vietnam War deeply influenced his perspective on heritage and the power of sharing it through food. So I was born in uh, Uban, the refugee camp in Thailand. Um, I came, my mom was pregnant with me in the camp and actually uh, conceived me while she was in the camp. Here's how I got the name Hamnoi. You know, like the, the stories that the OGs tell and, 
we don't know if to, to believe them or not, but my dad was always like, you were, we were so poor in the refugee camp that you'd always pee on the rice, the sticky rice, and we had no choice to eat it, which I think he was lying, <laughs> of course. But, you know, he just they called me Hanoi ever since, ever since then. But no, yeah, I was born in Uban. I uh, got sponsored here to come to Wisconsin about 1982. So we came here in 1982. Yeah, and, and the rest is history. We moved from there to my parents finally bought a house and it was on this river. My dad said he bought it because it reminded him of Laos. So then we had like farmer friends, right? So that was interesting, right? To see, you know, their preconceived notions of us already as being different. However, you know, my dad would buy cows from them. And they literally would bring the cow over in a forklift with their with their farmer friends and just watch the Lao community just butcher it in their backyard, right? And they just they were they were fascinated with it. They're like, oh my god, like this is so cool. Usually we take our cows to the butcher and get it processed. So this is how we made made our fr- friends with our neighbors and kind of like introduced into what happened in Laos. My dad barely spoke English, so like his, our farmer neighbor friend like would always come over and just drink beer with my dad. I don't know how they dialogue because. My dad didn't speak English, but it was a uh, it, it was cool to witness. It was cool to witness, um, you know, two cultures coming together that are totally opposite just through food. Like as a kid growing up, my dad, you know, he had his pinky shot off from the war. He would always like drop stories here and there, but I never really knew how to take that in. I always thought my dad was t- like talking folklore, but I knew he wasn't in in a war, so I really didn't pay attention to it much growing up. You know, us kids, us millennials at the time were kind of grew up like yeah it's, it's a crazy dads that are t- telling war stories and you know that really didn't resonate with me until you know until he actually passed um we you know we did a hundi there and i talked to the older monk i went to go put for him and the head monk at the temple actually was in the war with my father and he just kind of broke down everything to me and like all his og friends were there and telling me about the war so like i was just very you know very fascinated with it at the time i was probably in my mid-20s and hearing those stories kind of is what inspired sap sap right like i wanted to tell our stories and i i love cooking i love gatherings i love partying the stuff we saw when we were younger i was like this is really cool like if we can share our culture with the with food being the medium and that kind of birth sap sap after my father's passing sap sap which translates to delicious, delicious in the Lao language, is a culinary haven that not only tantalizes the taste buds, but also fosters a sense of togetherness through shared experiences. Alex chose Mount Pleasant as the location for his restaurant. Growing up in Burlington, Wisconsin, Alex witnessed firsthand how food can bridge cultural gaps and create lasting connections. This profound realization motivated him to embark on a mission to bring his family's heritage to the forefront and share it with the Mount Pleasant community. Yeah, so Sap Sap birthed about six years ago. Actually, I'd probably say 10 because we we actually started off as Mama's Egg Rolls. My mom would always sell egg rolls to her work and her neighbors. And it was it was more of a side hustle, right? Like a lot of people don't even really eat egg rolls, right? But they knew like our neighbors loved them. So yeah, my mom sold them at her work at um, around the neighborhood to friends, and that gave me the idea to s- create this business called Mama's Egg Rolls. I was trying to be a wholesaler and manufacturer, but you know, as you know, like it takes a lot of capital to 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 create something like that. 
so I started doing that. I went to like other factories, like literally selling egg rolls out of my car, like illegal as hell, but <laughs> I, I did it. And that was my gateway to like, I guess, kind of doing things right. Cause we were, we were selling so many egg rolls. It came to the point where like, okay, now we have to get legit. We have to get licensed. We have to do everything correct. You know, so that was going for a while and it was doing really good. And everyone kept asking, like, why don't you sell more product? Why don't you do other stuff besides egg rolls? And that's what burst sap sap, right? I took this job at this butcher shop because they made sausages just to learn how to make sausages, right? To mass produce them. So these were two French chefs that actually opened their own butcher shop. So they were doing farm dinners. So I, I kind of trained under them. I'm like, yo, like, I love Lao food. I love Thai food. What would you want to do at dinner? They were doing these dinners, dinners on the farm. It was called Phil on the Farm, right? So we do a four-course meal, uh, family style. And the first dinner sold out, like, within, like, an hour. And, you know, every every month we just kept doing these these dinners, and it got really popular. Like, media got on it. All these food, food critics came out on it. So that kind of, like, what introduced SAPSAP, right? Okay, like, we're just... We started as doing private dinners, and then... Um, COVID hit, right? And we were about to open a restaurant in Milwaukee in this food hall. The first day we opened, my sous chef passed out. She was nervous. And all these food critics were were there, like trying to interview me. It was nuts, right? But I couldn't be interviewed because my sous chef passed out. <laughs> but she's fine. So yeah, right after that happened, the day after that, the First day of opening, that's when COVID hit. So, you know, I, I came back like, okay, what do we do now? Like, I'm I'm sitting here on my couch, just kind of like worried about the future. Like, you know, who no, no one knew what the hell was going on, what the future held. So I kind of was like, we have a full-on restaurant license at a rental kitchen. Why don't we use that just to take out? So we, the following week, we introduced that we were doing takeout. Um, and the first week of our takeout, we sold so much food that we could only afford to stay open for one day. Like after that first day, we're like, okay, holy crap, like this is working. So, so that snowballed into more like carry, like takeout pop-ups. So we traveled to Milwaukee, Madison, Racine, um, just local areas. And like our pop-ups were like just killing it, you know, and we got attention of a lot of media. I got a, a lot of press and I was kind of like, I never wanted to open a restaurant, but I felt like it was the next step, right? We, we just really popular out here. The demand was there. It's been crazy ever since. <laughs> At SapSap Eats, Alex aims to emulate the spirit of togetherness that the Lao people have embraced for generations. It's not just about the food on the plate, it's about the communal experience of sharing a meal. By breaking away from the individualized approach often seen in Western dining culture, SapSap fosters an atmosphere where friends, families, and strangers alike come together to savor the vibrant flavors of Lao-inspired cuisine. Let me back up a little bit. Uh, you know Chef Pet? from uh yeah. Kiel. yep from so, new york so, so i flew him out here right for our first like lao barbecue we were doing these things called lao barbecue flew him out here working with him and man that dude is nuts he is 
he's fierce. He's an amazing chef. Um, but we, we fed a hundred people. It was like a hundred degrees out, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I collaborated with him and, you know, we, again, like we just setting all this attention on us here in Wisconsin. Shout out to Chef Pet. He's a wonderful friend and an amazing person. He's a um, wild man. <laughs> <laughs> we started this program called uh, Pang Pang, you know, like, you know, Pang Pang, like in Lao, like Care Care. It was called a Pang Pang, like fund, where like people with low income families could come in and grab a meal from us. So that got attention of GoFundMe. Um, I got rec- recognized as a GoFundMe hero. They did a whole podcast on me, whatever. But uh, we also had this other program called Healing Through Food, and it was telling the the Lao story of the soldiers that fought with the Americans. Um, there's a homeless nonprofit here for like homeless vets, so we partnered up with them, and proceeds of our of our um, of our services went towards homeless vets and racing Wisconsin here. But, but that being said, like we had a mission with it. It wasn't just like we were giving money to to this organization. It was who is this guy giving it, which is me. Why is he giving it, which is, you know, to tell the story about the Laos soldiers that fought as allies with the American soldiers and to really bring the secret war to light, you know, and these veterans, like, I mean, they're, they're amazing. And like, we got so much community support. So, you know, bringing both worlds together, just, just through that impact in our program was, was huge for me. It just shows like you could put politics aside, you know, just, just through like, a, you know, a message of, of love and history and culture. Another point to mention is that Alex, you're from the same state as Senator Tammy Baldwin. And we know that Senator Baldwin is one, a leader on the Senate Appropriations Committee, but also two, was the senator to first introduce the legislation that we are very much in support of, which is the Legacies of War Recognition and Unexploded Ordinance Removal Act. Also what we call the Legacies of War Bill for short that recognizes refugee and immigrant communities from Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia, including the Hmong, Cambodian, Lumian, Lao, Vietnamese Americans, who supported and defended the US Armed Forces during the conflicts in Southeast Asia. And secondly, authorizes US funding to go towards the removal of the UXO that's been left over in Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. And so that has been monumental because there's been a lot of grassroots organizing and support around this bill. And we really thank Senator Baldwin for taking the lead on that, but also for the fact that it is bipartisan and co-sponsored by Senator Jerry Moran from the great state of Kansas. I think that, you know, we need to give kudos to both Senator Tammy Baldwin and to Senator Jerry Moran for reintroducing the legislation again last year. And it really does take all the grassroots efforts on the ground in Wisconsin and in Kansas to have the senators support. And so we really do think the communities um, that have helped us generate all of that support. We currently have over 53 different organizations from around the nation 
that are in support of this bill and over 121 individual endorsements from prominent community leaders as well. And we're so proud of the progress that we've made as a collective community and how much grassroots support there is. And it really did start with Senator Baldwin and Wisconsin. So Alex, I think you should be very proud of your fellow Wisconsinites. Of course, thank you so much for all the work that you all are doing and to Senator Baldwin and to Senator Moran for taking leadership in co-sponsoring this piece of legislation. And we really hope to ignite that momentum and reintroduce it again. Can you share some memorable stories um, that highlight the power of community in support of your business? This is funny, but we're looking at our analytics on, on our POS system. And our biggest support have been like older white women for some reason. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that worked out, but we get a lot of community support from like the 40 or the, the 30 and up age, right? But yeah, just going through the analy analytics on our POS, it was interesting to see like who engaged the most, who supported us the most. But a lot of vets, a lot of people that support vets, uh, a lot of, even like a lot of people from the left too, like they, for some reason, they think you're a refugee-owned business and you should support causes, social justice causes. And for me, like, yeah, I mean, if we could support the mall, we would, but like, I didn't want to get too political. I kind of just wanted to bring both worlds together through like really good food. So yeah, I, again, like bringing both worlds together, the left, the right, whoever, and just creating conversation through food and through storytelling on what happened in Laos and the refugee kind of like assimilation, the Lao refugee assimilation to America. SAPSAP is more than just food and me, right? So like my long-term plan here is to hopefully get a book, a book published, uh, a cookbook published, right? But it's more than just a cookbook. It's more of a kind of a history lesson with, with our food, with recipes, but it's telling our story which resonates with every like first generation Lao person story. My experiences growing up and yeah, it's, it's, it's a cookbook with, with more, you know, it's storytelling basically. And hopefully that can be, you know, hopefully that can be shared with the world because it's not only telling my story, it's telling everyone else's story that, that, you know, was first generation Lao that came here. I know that you also have children. So what is something that, you, you know, you tell your kids in terms of, of what you hope for, for them and like the example that you're saying? Yeah. So, um, my son, he, ever since me and his mom split, he really, he's craving those loud parties, right? He's like, where's all my family? Like I miss running around in the backyard when all the adults are cooking and drinking. Um, so that's there, right? Like that's, he, he loves that. He doesn't get it anywhere else. His mom's not Lao. So he, that's a very unique experience to Lao people, I think is, is the parties, right? Those parties kind of like burst so much memories for me as a child. And I, I want to share that with my son. And that kind of just funnels into other things when they get older, but it just takes time. But, you know, my, my thing with him is to always remember his roots he asks a lot of questions, which is cool because I love answering them. There's a Lao Community Center here called the Lao Community Center. Uh, my friend Akarath and Sumali um, run it, and they do a Lao Heritage um, event, 
or they have a Lao Heritage program for kids. So I'm sending them up for that year. They learn how to play instruments and, and language. So another thing I wanted, I forgot to add is um, this art, um, this art hub here in Wisconsin. They, they picked up on our story and they wanted to do a whole like a week of display conversation. So I'm really trying to curate that right now because it's going to be a really big deal. Um, and hope, hope, hoping to work with um, other Lao artists and activists on it. So we have to be understanding of, you know, immigrants and refugees coming to this country and adding value to it. You know, this is a melting pot of a country, um, so much opportunity, but there's such a big divide, right? I think we're getting better at it, but I think culture, because America really has no culture, right? I think, adding culture to this country is, is a good thing. And to mix cultures is even better. Ultimately, you know, just sharing the struggles of, of refugees and immigrants coming to this country um, and telling the truth, telling the, the real history on what happened. Cause you know, American history, you know how that goes. You don't really tell the full story. It takes like independent media and outlets like, you know, Legacies of War and other nonprofits to do it. I wish it was more funded cause it does a lot of good. Um, if we got money and, you know, taxes are going to war, why can't we help the people that were victims of war, basically, and what legacy is doing? So I'm all, I'm all about that, for sure. But the legacy is, again, to tell the story on what happened in Laos, and not even just what happened there, but the migration of Lao refugees to America. In this podcast, we celebrate Alex's unwavering commitment to preserving his family's cherished traditions with every bite. He pays homage to the rich culinary heritage that has been passed down through the generations and makes sure our stories are not forgotten. Thank you for tuning into Thipcaw Talk and joining the Sticky Rice Squad. Please do not forget us and remember to follow us on all platforms where you can find your favorite podcasts including this one, of course. This year, Legacies of War is going on tour, and we'd love to see you on the road. To see where we're going next, make sure to follow us at www.legaciesofwar.org. If there is a special story or someone that you think that we should feature on the Legacies of War Dipkow Talk podcast, message us and let us know. See you all very soon, and don't forget to tune in for the next episode. Thank you very much. Or as they say in Lao, Kop Jai Duh.